Hello, everyone. Welcome to another amazing episode of Outside the Studio. I am your host. This is Tessa Tovar. I'm really very honored and really looking forward to this conversation today with Allison. Allison, will you say your last name for me? I feel like I'm going to butcher it. Sure. Yeah, no problem. Everybody asked me that, actually. Um, the last name is Pelo. It's it's spelled P-E-L-O-T, the T silent. So that's Got the easiest it. way to remember. Yeah. Hello. Oh, that's pretty. Is it French? <laughs> Thank you. It it's French. French. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Mm. So Allison, you just published a book. Um, it came out last week, Tuesday. Yeah. It, well, actually this week, Tuesday of this week. Okay, yeah. It's, just, it's brand new, brand oh. spanking new. It's a beautiful book, um, <laughs> Finally Thriving. It's got this beautiful, colorful cover that I can't stop staring at. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah. That was my idea for the cover, actually. I was going to, I was like, I need, I want a cover that where you just can't stop looking at it because I've had books like that before. And I'm like, I just want something magnetic, you know? It is. So, yeah. So, was this your design? I wish. No, I have a team of people that are helping me. So they cool. actually, some professional design people uh, came up with that based on the questions um, that I answered for them. And so they were able to put that together from uh, just my answers. So I was amazed. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. I, I just yeah. am fascinated by... Um, like the process that goes into, uh, you know, the user experience and the design and graphic design and just design in general. It's so, so cool. I don't have that artistic ability personally to create something based on like a series of questions. I mean, I could write too, but that I've always admired that ability to create like an image that is so magnetic and colorful like that. Yeah. So I'm really so glad, Tessa, that you brought up the point about, um, you know, uh, bringing creativity in the mix and how you have like a little bit of an issue of really tapping into that yourself, because a big part of this book is is really giving people that opportunity and a, a journey to find that within themselves from a wellness perspective. But it's also just from a creative perspective. Uh, a creativity perspective. And so, because this process that I went through with the book was really opened me up to other ways I could be creative and that I could be an artist in some ways mm. that I wasn't really um, understanding uh, the potential there for that for myself. And so until I was, um, until I started down that path, I didn't really know. And so a big thing with this book was not only to bring a, a joyful way for people to bring wellness into their life in a sustainable way that is um, that is both playful and creative, also to bring that creative energy into their lives, um, into their entire lives, so they could see themselves as creating their life as art. It's the art that we're here to create, and it's and it's a creative process. So. You know, the so the the cover was a representation of that, and I'm so glad that it came out the way it did because it really did. It does hold that energy of like, it's a mesmerizing energy, you know, that you can actually bring into your own life to um, become mesmerized with your own life, you know, in your own creative process. So that's I wanted to open people up to that. Mm. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's so beautiful. I, I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, it is a central theme. It seems to me like the work that you do is 
first of all, you said so many things that I resonate with is creating wellness, a wellness journey, a process that is sustainable. Number one, I feel like so many of us struggle with this idea and you talk about it in your book about um, like, it's almost like this mentality that exercise should be painful. That it's almost like <clears throat> we use it as a punishment. Um, right. uh, you know, <laughs> there's <laughs> your dedication. I love your dedication to your father. Um, but I love this quote from him. You talk about <laughs> finding this hidden joke he wrote on a piece of paper and his joke was my only hope for a smoking hot body is to be cremated. <laughs> and the story behind that is that, um, that we were, my sister and I, this was soon after he passed. Um, and we were in his house looking for something some kind of, uh, cause the will didn't say anything about how he wanted to be, um, if he wanted to be buried or cremated. So he couldn't find a piece of paper or anything that said anything on it about that. And then we're, we're in, of course his, he's actually, he's not a messy person, but his desk was messy always. Like it always has these little bitty pieces of paper, like, um, little sticky notes with different things written on them, like, I don't know, like quotes or, or things he was thinking. And one of the, and we, we were digging in all these papers and then we find this quote, this joke, cause he liked to write dad jokes, you know, he liked to write a lot of jokes. And, um, that was one of the jokes. It the timing of it was impeccable. And we both looked at each other and just started laughing. We're like, oh my God, he's, he's communicating to us here. Like this was, it was hilarious. And so, um, and so then later down the road, we got, uh, we found some legal documentation that did say that. So it did affirm that. But at that moment we were like, cause we had to make a decision pretty fast yeah. with it. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was, I felt like that story was, uh, really fun, really good to put in there because I wanted to bring in the, um, the idea and the energy of like not taking life so seriously. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like when, when we get into this mode of like, oh my gosh, you know, what are we going to do? And then realize, you know what, it's real easy. Let's just like slow down a bit and, and realize, uh, and, and look at the synchronicities that are happening all around us right now. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I love that. yeah. I mean, do you feel like that's something you always have been able to do? Or is this a lesson that I always wonder, I feel, I feel like I find myself relearning lessons over and over again, and definitely iterate and continue to grow some lessons. I feel like, okay, that one's stuck. I feel like I can move on from that. But this one in particular that you're talking about the idea of not taking life so seriously and, uh, being able to pause and slow down is so challenging for us. I feel like in this day and age, is this something that you feel like you've learned? <laughs> oh, God. It has taken me so long to learn that lesson and I'm still practicing that. Right. So, um, yeah, I've always been really fast paced, a, a doer, you know, I was an athlete for years. So I was a gymnast and I would, you know, make things happen by doing and mm, yeah. live a very fast paced life. And, um, and I think at some point the busyness became a, um, what we call like a response to trauma, like a trauma response, right? Sometimes we create busyness in our life 
when we are trying to disassociate or not connect with what, you know, is really painful. So, um, that was part of my, that was part of my, uh, pattern. And so when my dad actually passed away in 2020, this is February, 2020, before the lockdowns or anything had started with the pandemic, um, I, you know, I had an experience where I was able to, um, it, you know, he had put me in charge of deciding whether, you know, to, to, uh, take the respirator out or not, if it got to that point, Mm -hmm. well, it did get to that point and I had to make a decision. And so with, you know, we talked to the doctors, he was completely hundred percent, um, brain dead. And so we, we realized that at some point that, okay, this is what, this is the right thing to do. And so I did it. And at that point I, uh, realized that, um, you know, uh, there's some kind of something that happens that when you're with someone, I think as they pass, there's a transfer of consciousness or something like that. That's the only way I can explain it. It's similar to near death experiences, but not quite as, uh, you know, not quite as big. I suppose it's a little more subtle, but I did download a lot of information during that time. And it really caused me to, the whole experience in itself really um, created this slowdown in my life where I just felt like um, I needed to take the time to reflect and and, just, and um, identify what, what mattered most to me in my life, you know, and really focus on those things. And also do the things that I was putting on the back burner. I was saying I was too busy for, I realized that I was had these patterns in my life where I would create all this busyness really to avoid doing the big things in my life, you know, mm. like writing a book. And so uh, when I realized that, I said, oh my God, I've been doing, I've been spending so much energy on these little busy things. And none of it's really funneling into uh, what I really want to focus on or what I want to create. Why don't I switch this over and start doing that? And then I can actually slow down a, a bit, enjoy the process, and uh, it, because all my focus is in that and it's something I enjoy, so therefore it doesn't really deplete my energy. And I'm not actually doing all these extra things that don't contribute to that either. So there was a lot of that going on um, within the grief that I was feeling for losing my father. And then I came back shortly after uh, to Portland and was about a couple of weeks later, all the gyms shut down. So then my my job that I like thought I had, you know, was mm-hmm. gone, you know, like mm-hmm. the way with the way I imagined it or or had been doing it before. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow, like the rug is really being pulled out from under me, huh? And I could tell, um, so you haven't, if you've just started the book, you haven't gotten to this chapter yet, but I have a chapter called The Crumbling. And it was a reflection of what we we went as a collective this past couple of years through the pandemic and what I was going on. Uh, what was going on within me too. Um, so we, uh, the corrupt, the crumbling of the reality that we knew that we thought was real, you know, and, uh, and I experienced that and I was like, wow, okay, what's really real here? You know, what's, what's real is 
looking outside my window and watching the animals, the birds, the the trees, you know, these are things that are really real, you know, mm-hmm. not all this stress that I'm putting on myself for no reason that, you know, these obligations and, and, and such. And, um, obviously we have obligations if we have kids and and stuff that we do want to follow through with, but there's also obligations that we put on ourselves uh, in the, in the need of, um, belonging, fitting in, you know, being accepted and those kinds of things. So those were the kinds of things that I was shedding. I was like letting go of. Right. Mm. And once I was able to do that, I, I felt so free. And I just started uh, writing every morning, and I would I did that for like six months because I wanted to get everything out that I had learned in my career as a holistic health professional, holistic health coach, a nutritional lifestyle coach, and a um, a corrective holistic exercise kinesiologist and functional trainer, um, working with people in performance and older people just to get, you know, their function back and stuff. And so, and then also I wanted to help people integrate their, uh, physical, um, health with their energetics, with their energetic health too. So that was another thing. So all this stuff was going on and I was like, how am I going to put all this together? And I just started writing. And then, uh, then I had some people help me, you know, edit it and, and, uh, format it. So, um, so yeah, so the creative process is amazing, but I think what I learned through that process was that, that, you know, it, it is, you, it is taking like, how do I, how do I put this? You have to, you really do have to slow down, you know, you have to slow down in order to become aware of it, become aware of the synchronicities within the creative process too. And, um, and so that's what happened to me. And uh, when that does happen, time really does slow down a lot. I mean, it's just like, whoa. And then you start noticing so much more things that were already there. You just weren't noticing them. Right. So, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. So, so I, I was just having this conversation with my nephew literally this morning about how bizarre time is. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was right? remarking on how fast the week went. And I was thinking about it and I'm like, yeah, it did feel kind of fast, but at the same time, it felt really slow. And the time space continuum is just such a bizarre thing. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Yes. So, that's I, so true. I resonate with that. Uh, that's such, so beautiful. So well put. Um, Thank you. So can you tell me why Tell me about the title. How did you come come up with this title? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. You're the first person that's asked me that, actually. Um, oh, really? Gosh, I <laughs> yeah. Mean, I love, so it's so funny, Allison, just a little side note. Yeah, yeah. I love to think about titles of books and just not write the books. Like I'll sit there and spend mm-hmm. time coming up with a million titles and then never write the book. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so great. Oh my gosh. So anyways, somebody needs you. Driving. Somebody needs you in their life. <laughs> I need to slow down and like just write the book. <laughs> just be, Yeah. Just help people with their titles. That's okay. half the battle right there. No, but it came to me. Um, Actually, finally, thriving came to me when I was uh, in a coaching session with my my own personal coach, and uh, you know, it was originally going to be 
something that was a name of a course. I thought it was going to be the name of a course, but then as I started writing the book, I realized it really was more fitting for the the title of the book because um, the theme of the book really is we've only been taught to survive. We thought we were thriving, but we're really not actually. Mm-hmm. So th- this is really how you thrive. You know, it is taking a hundred percent ownership of your experience in life and then aligning yourself. We start by aligning the mind, connecting to the body, and then listening to this, to your spirit. And so when you can connect with all three of those phases of the wellness journey, then you truly have the tools to thrive. Now, you know, um, is it to say you're not going to have ups and downs? Absolutely. But what it does is it gives you the tools to um, live at that higher level, that higher frequency of being. So, Mm. you know, you're not going to get pulled down so much by other people's opinions or, um, or feedback, you know, and those kinds of things are just, you know, you're going to be the person that walks in and uplifts the room, right? I mean, what we all think about it like this, we're all, always like, oh my God, I walked in and my energy just tanked because I was around these people or whatever we, mm-hmm. you know, whatever we say. What if you walked in the room and you brought up everybody's energy, right? What if you thought about it like that, you know, instead of the other way around? Like, so what I'm, so what I really wanted to share with people is how we can get rid of the shaming, the blaming, the victimhood, get into more of uh, empowerment. So empowered wellness means that you're taking responsibility for yourself and you're actually uh, inspiring others to do the same. So you really, all you have to do is be yourself. It's, I had this discussion with a client this morning and she was, and, and I was, she was giving me like a lot of love about the book and she had bought the book and I was like, ah, oh. and she said, you're just so, you're so inspirational. You're so, ins- you inspire me so much. And I was like, well, that's what the book is all about. Like, it's about teaching you how you can inspire others too. Like we're all inspiring each other all the time, right? Mm-hmm. It's not about one person inspiring everybody. We're all inspiring each other. We're all bringing each other up. You know, we're lifting each other up, lighting each other's candles, you know? Um, And uh, so, so if we think about it more like that, we can, we can bring each other up onto our, the same level instead of either thinking like this person is beneath me or this person is above me, right? Because that never works out very well. So um, how can we, how can I give people, the skills, the skill building aspects of having enough self-worth, um, you know, knowing how to navigate uh, their inner selves and the relationship between their selves as well. Like what, how, what is your relationship like with you, you know, and then that translates into everything else. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. And it's so important. I think we, um, I work with, with people one-on-one in a similar context. And oftentimes I think where I see a lot of people getting stuck is in their, um, really close partnerships. So who do they cohabitate with and what are those habits and behaviors like of the, the partner? Um, is it in alignment with their goals? Is it healthy? Is it, um, helpful, right? Are they going to be supportive of changes that this 
person wants to make in their life. And um, oftentimes it seems like, like there's this fear, number one, of changing in such a big radical way. And also that it will have to be like this solo journey almost. Yeah, right. so there's so much pressure on this one person's shoulders. It feels like we do that. I do that myself. It took me a while to figure this out that exactly what you're saying. I had to be the one to make the change for myself and that living by that example, it would eventually, and this took years to see oh, yeah. coming yeah. to fruition, how that would affect my partner's habits and behaviors. And I'm really literally just seeing it. We've been together for over a decade, about 16 years. Oh, congratulations. Really, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really just seeing like these huge, remarkable changes um, in the way that he approaches nutrition, health and wellness like yeah. this year. So I, I say that because I think it's important to point out that it's not like an overnight fix and it's not, um, it's not something that you often see immediate, uh, what is the word? It's like a, not an immediate gratification thing. You think we're such a society that's so addicted to like, oh, I want this thing now. We get our Amazon yes. Prime. We have instant <laughs> feedback coming at us all the time and this process of thriving and living from this place of empowered wellness really is a process and a practice. And like you were saying, like, of course, you're going to have ups and downs as you thrive. That's part of the human experience. Oh, yeah. But how do we make those peaks and valleys maybe a little bit less steep? <laughs> yeah. And um, how do we get back up a little bit quicker, I guess, is my question. So what do you say to clients who kind of come at come at that mindset of uh, it's a, to me, I look at it like a fear-based mindset and kind of like, um, almost like a stuck, I feel I'm feeling stuck here with this situation with this partner. Yeah. I, you know, I think a lot of times, and I, I can say this from personal experience as well. Um, I've been with my partner for a long time too. We just had, um, our 24th and uh, wedding anniversary. Aww. So we've been together for, even more, I, we, I, I think we were together three years before that. So it's been a long time. So we've yeah. had our ups and downs for sure. And what I've learned over the years is that, um, you know, it, it's just really hard to control somebody else. You know, you just can't do it. And the more you try, the worse it makes things. And so, mm -hmm. um, plus it just isn't fun for me. I like, don't want to control my partner. I don't want to control. I want them to be their own person. And, uh, and then we can come together, but it, it, it gets muddled because especially when, um, you know, when you have kids together and then, and, and if you haven't worked out your, um, your parent issues, like for example, you're going to make your partner, your parent into you, until you become aware of what, what's happening there. So there's that codependency aspect of the relationship. So there's a lot of things really to explore um, within yourself before you even start talking to your partner about things. Because um, although, of course, we want to work it out with our partner, good communication is always, I, I think, high on the list to work on because it took us years to even learn how to communicate mm -hmm. in a mature way. You know, I mean, you, like I, I, I mentioned this in my book, you, you're you're going to sometimes have emotional responses like you did when you were a kid. You've grown out of those emotional responses, but you're still using them in your relationships, right? So 
like get your big girl pants on and start to, you know, reflect that back to yourself instead of projecting it onto your partner is what I would say. And, and then communicate. Like, I think the biggest thing, uh, I've heard from a lot of people and, uh, and also personally that I I've, I've, um, thought about is, is, um, I would say it might be a lot for, I would generalize it as a women's, a woman's kind of thing is like, we are, um, great at meeting other people's needs, but we're not great at meeting our own needs a lot of times. And so, um, so we put our needs on the back burner. We don't actually, uh, explore our own desires our, and our wants. And so then we expect someone else to give it to us because we've given all of this to everybody else. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in that place, it's really hard because it's, it's, and it's frustrating. And, you know, as a, as a woman, I've realized the biggest lesson I've realized is that I really need, first of all, to meet my own needs first. Mm-hmm. Then of course there's, um, there's approaching, there's becoming aware of my own desires and playing those out in my life. And that's what much of the book is about too, is exploring that aspect of yourself because unmet desires are just going to eat away at you over time, right? And then you're going to build resentment. You're going to, there's jealousy within that too. Um, And then, you know, we take that on to to our relationships, then we're full. Like our buckets are full when we go into the relationship. We don't need that person to meet our needs that way. You may have to meet needs between each other within the relationship needs. Now that's a whole nother thing, but as, as far as like our personal needs, um, parenting ourselves needs, right? Mm-hmm. That's because like your, yeah. your parents teach you how to become your own parent eventually. Um, now, as I say in my book too, like some parents weren't great role models, so we're still learning and that's okay. But again, you don't want your partner to, to meet your parenting needs either. You really want to do that for yourself. And then you're going to come together. And of course, we're going to take care of each other on some things, but it's going to be more of a, you know, um, we're meeting our needs 80% of the time, our partners meeting our needs 20% of the time or meeting relationship needs is what I like to call it because that is important too. I mean, you can't just be <laughs> like, oh, I'm just by myself and this person's over there and we we don't need anything from each other. Of course we do. You know, we there's a relationship there. You know, there's 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 things that need need to happen in that relationship for it to to flourish, right? There needs to be attention towards each other and love and those kinds of things for you to be attracted to each other. But, you know, um, the basic needs need to be met by each individual. And so hopefully that sounded, that made sense. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> the way I, I put mean. that, cause that kind of rambled, but yeah, I, that's the way I see it. And that's the way I learned personally, because I I've been, like I said, I've been with my partner for so long. We've been through so many different phases of the relationship. We have two kids together. Mm-hmm. So you're going to, again, it, it depends too, like what phase of the relationship you're in, you know, uh, as to how much, um, needs are going to have to be met by that partner as well in the relationship. So, you know, if your partner's pregnant or you guys are getting ready to have a baby, you know, it's going to be very different than when you're empty nesters, you know? So, yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And I, I still resonate with all of what you said. And yes, it makes sense. Absolutely. I, um, I have this conversation often with, uh, my close female friends about learning how to mother myself. 
Uh, (laughs) it is such an unmet need for me in my life. It shows up over and over again. And I was literally having this conversation yesterday with a fellow teacher about how, um, you know, we give, we give, we give, we, um, our, our buckets are empty. Mine in particular, I'm feeling so clearly right now that, I just am at this state where I'm like pushing everyone away because I have no energy and it's almost like this, uh, I've built a wall, right? So that's not the energy of thriving. That's not the energy I want to exude out into the world. And, um, it's also not sustainable. And so how do I come back to myself and fill my cup first? It feels like, again, I keep coming back to this idea of how do we co- overcome this, the fear of change? Because I think there's a lot of, you mentioned shame and guilt. I think as women, there's a lot of shame and guilt around, how do I even put myself first? You yeah. Know? Does that yeah. mean that I'm going to be judged by my partner or the world at large or the people out there on the socials for, you know, just making dinner for myself, for example, and not worrying about what my partner needs to make because that, when did I get signed up for that job, by the way? Like, why is it my <laughs> responsibility to make everybody dinner and, and feed them? I think yeah. that as people, we've, you know, innately have this contract to be alive. We need to to care for ourselves and feed ourselves. So how is it that it's my job to feed you, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Those are good questions to ask yourself. Yeah, for sure. I think so. Yeah. Well, what do you, so I, I guess what the question is, is like, what is it? Do we have to just take that first step? How do we really overcome fear? Yeah. Um, yeah. First steps. Great. It's going to happen one step at a time and any change that you make is going to need to, you know, it's going to require you, you're going to fall back into the old pattern and then go, go back to the new pattern until you're going back to the new pattern more than you're going back to the old pattern. Right. So don't beat yourself up if you, if you fall into the old pattern on occasion, cause it's going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, I think we, you know, my whole, my whole approach is like, get clear on your own personal values first. You know, it, it's, there's not much you can do if you aren't aware of what you value and where you stand in life. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you're just going to be pulled into, okay, well, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to make dinner for everybody because that was a value of, let's for say, for example, my parents, or that was the value of my husband's parents or my spouse's, uh, my partner's parents, you know? Um, and, you know, but then that's not your value. So you're living off of someone else's value. And uh, so again, if it's your value, cool, keep, then that's great. You're doing what you're that what you're wanting to do, you know, and how you want to serve. Serving someone, helping someone, taking care of someone, that's not a that's not a bad thing. It's when we do it at the expense of ourselves. And um, and then uh, you know, we beat ourselves up, we get resentful, um, those kinds of things pop up uh all the time in relationships, you know, because we're just going through the motions of what we think our partner expects of, of us when we haven't even really had a conversation about it, you know? So, um, or even a conversation with ourselves about it, you know, we haven't even looked inside to, to know, okay, is that really what I want to do? 
And um, if it's not, then you can have a conversation with your partner about where you can meet each other in the middle with that, you know, and figure out something that works for both of you. Um, Again, it'll depend on where you are in life. And, um, you know, sometimes my husband cooks dinner, sometimes I do. And uh, lately he's been cooking more often, which has been wonderful because I've been working on the book. But, you know, I, I love when people cook for me. So like when he cooks for me, it's just amazing. Like that's, I, that's how I receive love in a way from, from him. So again, mm-hmm. you can also look at it like that. Like, how do you receive love from your partner? Like what, how do you, you know, and how do they receive love from you? Cause we all receive differently too. So, um, but the first thing I would just really, um, you know, get in, in, uh, in alignment first with is your values and, decide, okay, is this, is this in line with my values? You know, um, Mm. many times people in relationships are eating different things as well. So one person starts a certain diet, the other person's still eating, um, a certain way. Like they, like maybe they used to eat and then now you're, now you're stuck like, oh shoot, I've got to make two meals. And Mm -hmm. maybe there's like a conversation you could have about that is, you know, let's either each cook our own meals or we can decide how we want to eat together or let's decide, you know, I, I don't know. There's many options. It's just, it's just a conversation, you know, to have to, with someone, right. That you love yeah. very much, but for some reason we avoid that. And then we make up stories about what could be happening. So, um, you know, that's, that's, I think where we go wrong. I've, I've done that so many times. Oh yeah. I spent the better part of yeah, the first probably decade of my marriage I spent doing that. <laughs> so, so you and me both. You and me both. <laughs> um, okay, so many directions I want to go because I one thing that and I bring up food and dinner in particular because I love talking about food. I love thinking about food. I love cooking. I love cookbooks. Um, and and I know that you. Um, it seems like you have a similar passion, right, in terms of. I think where I want to go is the topic of metabolic nutrition. Oh yeah. Yeah. So first of all, can you explain to us what it is? I think there's a lot of like misconceptions with um, metabolism, um, mm-hmm. body mass index, uh, things of these natures that start to get into this more scientific realm that, uh, you know, if we haven't studied it, it's kind of confusing. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Uh, and sorry, my voice is a little froggy today. I was doing um, a lot of voice stuff this week. So um, if it comes out really weird, that's why. <laughs> oh, I think you sound great. I oh, thank you. I feel like I'm so, my voice is so low right now. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, so metabolic nutrition is such a buzzword right now, right? I mean, it's like all over the place. Like, what does it mean? And so, uh I got into nutrition uh, years ago, first through the Czech Institute. My first book uh, reading about holistic nutrition was How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy by Paul Czech. And that first introduced me to the world of organic farming and the difference between organic versus conventional factory farm foods. Um, And that was a game changer. And then also about gluten-free versus uh, grains and what they're doing to the gut and those kinds of things. And um, it was really wonderful to learn and have that first and have that kind of foundation in nutrition. And then from there, I went on, of course, to exploring other diets. Like I went to uh, the metabolic typing diet for a while. 
I got into the antifungal diet for a while and then realized like all of these diets that are really, um, they're calling for elimination. Like they keep asking to you eliminate, eliminate, eliminate until there's nothing left. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is, this is not fun. Like, I don't want to eat like this for the rest of my life. Like, where am I going with this? What am I trying to accomplish here? You know? And, um, eventually I just, you know, got so my energy just tanked from, from doing that kind of dieting. And um, I decided uh, I needed to try something different. So I, I got with a coach and he taught me about uh, the joy of carbohydrates, eating carbohydrates again, you know, <laughs> it's just like, wow, really? What a concept. Yeah. And, um, you know, he taught me that they, um, his name is Josh Rubin. He's from East West Healing. And if you're really interested in thyroid health, I would highly recommend you know, heading over to their Instagram. They're, they're very, very good with, uh, their posts are amazing, but, um, but anyway, yeah. So I learned from him. He was my coach for years and, uh, he taught me about metabolic health and, and how you can actually produce energy with the good kind of carbohydrates. So your fruits, your roots, and your tubers. So having the majority of your carbohydrates come from that, those kinds of carbohydrates, because they're more for energy production. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the, it's fine if you want to eat bread and, and pasta and those kinds of things. And I'll usually do the gluten-free version of that on a, uh, you know, not, not a whole bunch, but I'll, I'll have some, you know, about, I don't know, 30, maybe 20 to 30% of my, of my meals would be that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so I do a gluten-free version of that and, 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 uh, but you know, it's all glucose, like the, the grains are straight glucose. So you got to know the difference between the types of sugars that you're taking into your body. Um, and then also like how, what kind of a carb burner are you? And, and so I discovered that I needed the slower burning carbs. Some people do better with the faster burning carbs. And, uh, because I personally will gain weight if I, if I do too much of the, the quicker burning carbs, cause it's like light, lighting a match and it going out very fast. Mm. Doesn't, it's not real sustainable for my body, but there are some people who I find generally the body type is more of the, um, skinnier, higher endurance athletes who do a lot of, um, running, you know, marathon running and those kinds of things. They do better with those kinds of carbohydrates, generally speaking, mm-hmm. um, is what I found through, through what, what I was, uh, researching. And so I brought in the carbohydrates back in my life and I felt instantly amazing. So much better. I had this energy, I had this zest for life. And I was like, oh my God, could it really be this simple? <laughs> like, what was I doing? You know? And so it came, I came to the conclusion that like, we make nutrition so complicated. Mm. It's kind of crazy. Um, but really all we need to do is, is approach nutrition in a way that supports our metabolism. Because honestly, if you're not supporting your metabolism, then you're, it's not, it's not good nutrition in my opinion. You know, of course we have nutrition, regimens that are for specific things. And, and that's important to, you know, um, to, to realize like, what is your intention? What are you trying to do? Um, but generally speaking for like energy production and, uh, supporting the thyroid, uh, the, the metabolic nutrition approach in my opinion was, was the best. And so 
really it's it's about bringing the carbohydrates back with the healthy proteins, clean pr- proteins and good fats and good saturated fats. Mm. And uh you know and and bringing it in a way that you can learn how how what you know what kind of uh re- micronutrient or macronutrient re- ratios work properly for your body. It's a process, you know, uh, Josh and Jeannie are really great at helping people with their food logs and taking them through that process. Uh, the things I write in my book are very simple ways that you can start by testing through temperature and pulse to know if what you're eating is, uh, if your metabolism is responding well to what you're eating. So you should have a temperature, you know, of about around 98 and 97 to 98. Um, at, I think it's, I'm sorry, mid 97 to 98.5, I think is the normal temperature or six. And then you would have, uh, your, your, um, your beats per minute of your pulse would be 84 around 84 or so, uh, in the day. And, um, that's because you want nutrients to get to the cells. You know, you want to be able to, the heart needs to pump enough, uh, fast enough to get all the nutrients into the cells. So they're, you know, if it's too low, that's not going to happen. So uh, we've always been taught that a low, um, low heart rate is really healthy, but that really only applies to, to athletes actually. Mm -hmm. Um, just if you're not really an athletic person and you have a real low, uh, pulse, then it's not going to be as been, it's not going to be super beneficial. Because your metabolism um, isn't working as it should. Yeah, it's a it's an indication of me- metabolic slowdown, and you would also have to you know take that into consideration with your pulse being low. I mean, I'm sorry, your temperature being low too. Okay. So if you have a low temperature and a low pulse, that means your body is not able to regulate um, the energy to ramp it up. You know, yeah. to get the digestion going. And, uh, and to get your temp, so enough to get the temperature up and those kinds of things. And in those kinds of environments, um, you do thrive because if your metabolism is up to a certain point, you know, if you're able to heat your body, if you're able to digest well, you're not really going to have a lot of bugs that would like parasites and stuff that Mm -hmm. can thrive or live in that environment too. So that's naturally going to, uh, be healthy for you to, you know, rather than trying to go and get the parasite out, which a lot of people do still too. But to me, it's easier just to, to up your metabolism, your metabolic rate. And then that way it it will happen more naturally. But um, yeah, so, you know, anybody can do it. It's just a matter of keeping your blood sugar regular, you know, keeping a watch on, you know, how you're regulating your temperature and your heart rate and those kinds of things. And it's real. And, and also breathing too. I, I include that in there as well. The nose breathing aspect of the metabolism, because, um, what the nose breathing does for you is it, it helps you, uh, uh, get more, uh, it also helps you get more nutrients to the cells too, by, uh, holding, uh, carbon dioxide. So you're able to, hold more carbon dioxide, which is a transporter of, uh, oxygen. So it liberates the oxygen into the tissue. So it takes it to where it needs to go and then liberates it. So that why that's important is, um, because if you're a mouth breather, like you lose a lot more carbon dioxide. We see that with people doing too much cardio, 
Mm. And, uh, you know, people who are just sitting at the computer with their mouth wide open, um, those kinds of things, right? What about, what about <laughs> sleeping with your mouth wide open? That's something no. that you can't control as much, but <laughs> if you practice, <laughs> so they do have some, uh, they have a product, I think it's called mouth tape. Oh, so you can use, I don't, <laughs> Don't I don't know if that's the exact name of it, but I'm pretty sure something uh-huh. like that. And it comes off easily if you're if your mouth opens, so it won't kind of keep you from breathing or anything. But I haven't used it because I'm kind of afraid to use that. But um, but yeah, you can use that at night, and that'll help like retrain you to breathe back through your nose. What I've done is just if I I figure if I practice it during the day. Mm-hmm eventually at night it'll kick in, you know, cause it's what I do most of the time. So, um, and it's been, it's been happening for the most part that way. Uh, so yeah, it's, I ask and I'm cracking up at myself because I am a, like, I know I sleep with my mouth wide open. You can tell, I can tell when I wake up and it's like completely just cotton mouth. <laughs> and my husband's always <laughs> cr- cracking up when he comes in because I go to bed earlier than he does. And I cover my eyes and I have my noise machine on and I'm a very light sleeper, but I'm usually like <sighs> my mouth wide open. <laughs> yeah. I haven't found you, a way to combat that yet. Mouth tape. Mouth tape. <laughs> Try it. it. You know, I've heard good things about it. People, people really think it works. So yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh, <laughs> such cool stuff. Okay. So, um, Oh, so many questions. Let's see. Where do I want to go? Uh, talk to me a little bit about like kinesthesiology. I always feel like I'm saying that wrong. Kinesthesiology. kinesiology. Kines- kines- yeah. I can't say it. Why can't I say that? Yes. Please. Will you talk to me about this <laughs> K word? <laughs> That's a tongue well, twister for he, me for some I, Yeah. I, I have that with some words as well. Uh, you know, kinesiology is like, it, it's a very, uh, it can, it can mean a lot of different things, but actually it's just the, the study of movement, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and it's, it goes all into, um, biomechanics, it can go into biomechanics and go into function. It can, you know, it's, uh, what I learned from the Czech Institute was uh, correct, more of a corrective exercise kinesiology approach. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is we're <clears throat> prepping the body. For example, if someone had an injury or some kind of imbalance in the body, then uh, we, you know, I would help. Well, I still do this now. I help people, uh, you know, uh, create balance in the body by, uh, you know. Uh, working on one side a little more than the other to balance it out and, and those kinds of things. There's a lot of corrective exercise approaches. And then we then bring them into a more functional movement pattern after that. So um, there's also kinesiology where they test you. uh, They do kinesiology um, where they test your body for um, like how your body responds to certain things. Like if someone's allergic to something, you know, or, there's many ways to to use that as well. That would be uh, more of a, an energy healing kind of approach, I guess, but using the body to tell someone an answer, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but mine was more of a sports specific approach, but I do use kinesiology with my own body. Like I'll test things out and be like, okay, is that in my highest and best interest? Cause I talk to my body. I know that might sound a little weird, but 
I talk about this in the book too. Like I, I, my body gives, sends me messages all the time. And so I really, um, I listen to it and this is a great way to build trust and to start listening to the body is I do this little technique where I have my fingers, uh, my finger and my thumb together and I squeeze it as hard as I can. And then i try to break it apart with my fingers and I just, I'm not really, you know, I'm trying to get my head out of it and just, you know, like for answers. I mean, and so I'll, I'll just ask a question, you know, is that uh, tea in my highest and best interest? And then, you know, this is a yes for me. So you also have to test what's a yes What's a no? No for me is like if I can't pull my fingers apart and a yes is if I can pull them apart. So that's a way to do it. Uh, People are probably familiar with the uh, way like a practitioner would do a kinesiology with your arm out and and then they would push it down like that. Um, So you just have to, the only thing with that is sometimes people who are doing the testing on you will project their own stuff onto you and then the answer will come from them. So that's the only the only thing about that that I've learned through the years. So it's a good way to, it's a good thing to test yourself. And even if you don't come up with, you know, it's just a practice, you know, you're just trying, you're just building that trust within yourself and between you and your body, because that's another kind of relationship too. Mm -hmm. And um, so if you start to listen, pay more attention to your body, it's going to respond very favorably to you, you know, in that way. So I don't, did that answer your question, Tessa? Yeah. Well, and I, I just, I kind of made a statement, like, tell me that, tell me about this. <laughs> There's so many things you can talk about. Yeah. yeah it, I do have, I think I do have a more specific topic that it, you started to talk about corrective um, exercise, uh-huh. which I think is so interesting um, in terms of I think like we talked about this a little bit at the beginning, the way that we use exercise as punishment and how that oftentimes results in um, injury, right? So when we're talking about corrective exercise, maybe we've spent a lifetime, a pattern of behavior that hasn't really served us. And so now we're correcting something. Um, That's kind of an, an aside, I think just an observation, but I think I have more of a personal question in that. Yeah. Um, I'm really interested in joints, in particular knees, hips, shoulders, neck, um, the ways that we hold stress in our body, how it shows up. Um, and just like you're saying, your body's always talking to you. And it's kind of up to you to learn how to listen, how to trust the messages that you're getting from your body. Um, so I find that so fascinating. And, and so in particular, for me, what I notice right now in my life, and I'm hoping this is a phase that I will learn how to move through. (laughs) My (laughs) knees are talking to me a lot. And so I'm a runner, I'm a cycler, I'm a yogi, I backpack, I hike, I I love to be outside. So it's freaking me out (laughs) that my (laughs) knees are starting to tell me to stop and to slow down and to, to not do those squats or those lunges or uh, so it's, it's learning how to find that balance of listening, um, and enjoying the things that I love to do, I guess. I'm not sure exactly what the question is, but I, I think, I think I want to hear your theory on how do we take care of our joints as we age? Um, when we're, I feel like you could probably relate to this when you're so exuberant about, um, being active and then your body starts to kind of shut down on you. 
Oh yeah, I can totally relate to that. I I uh, um when I was 17, I blew my knee out completely. I told I tore three ligaments in my knee, had knee surgery. Also, when I was younger, had ankle surgeries. So um yeah, I lost a lot of mobility in my knee and it actually led to a lot of back pain when I was an adult mm-hmm. uh, or when I became an adult. So um so I had to go back to the knee and start to learn how to mobilize that as well as the feet and those kinds of things. So I would say from a practical standpoint, there's also a spiritual aspect to this, but first um, look at it from the practical standpoint. What can you do to mobilize what's not moving well underneath you? So usually the feet are the things that are not moving properly when we have knee pain and those kinds of things. And then the knees themselves are not moving properly as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I, there's a, the feet need to be able to take a certain amount of force uh, to, and ha- have a certain amount of strength and able to uh, take that, uh, that that for that load that you're putting on it when you're running, when you're hiking, all those things, um, even lifting, and you know, uh, it's so we need to make sure that our feet are mobile. First of all, they're moving over the ground we're walking on. They uh, we have shoes that uh, will allow our feet to move and feel the ground underneath us. Uh, you want a wide toe box, and you want zero drop, preferably zero drop. Now you can have, a, you know, limbs I love because they have just a little bit of padding. It's not quite like walking on the sidewalk straight with bare, bare feet. You have a little padding there. Um, but I would look at the shoe wear, you know, what are your feet doing the majority of the day? Uh, how are they moving? You know, are you stretching your toes? Are you stretching your ankles? Are you are you moving the bones of your feet around and stuff like that? Where are your feet when you're walking? Are they turned out? Are they straight ahead? Are they turned in? You know, those are all things to to look at because that translates to how the knees are actually performing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so from there we can go through, we can go get into mobilization. We can get into strength building. So the strength building, the lower legs, and then, uh, you know, mobilizing the knees properly and strengthening the legs and the hips, you know, so that would be, that would be the direction I'd go from a practical standpoint. Mm -hmm. Now, generally speaking, the right knee is, uh, when it gives you trouble, it's your right side. So it's your masculine side, and that's going to be slowing you down, right? That's slowing your roll. You know, maybe you're going too fast. You're too busy. You're not, you're not really reflecting enough in your life. That's a signal. Slow down, right? Um, and uh, that may be another thing to explore within yourself to see where you can do that in your life and what you can pay attention to more and value more in your life as well. Yep. <laughs> it's the right side. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, nailed that one. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. I'm here to help. Uh, um, so I can't believe it's already almost been an hour, Allison. I could sit here and chat with you all day. This is so <laughs> fun. Same here. I um. So you mentioned spirituality, and I know you're familiar with meditation, breathing exercises. I think what I'd like to start to wind down with is if you have any breathing exercises you would walk us through or a technique you'd like to share, something that yeah. we could try. 
Yeah. So, um, I really love vocal toning and I love making sounds when I do the breathing, you know, cause it just gives, it adds form to it. And, um, so I, I love this one, uh, where, okay. So first we want to, we're going to, we're going to try this exercise together and we're going to make like a, a sound. Okay. Like snake. Okay. Um, and what I want you to do actually first before that, just kind of, um, I want you to take a few deep breaths and I want you to put your hands around your rib cage area, diaphragm. And I want you to like, without kind of going up into the upper chest, I want you to inhale slowly and through the belly and through the diaphragm area. And I want you to make your belly as big as you can. And then just like let it go. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then I want you to just a couple times just to get the feeling for expanding that rib cage and the belly. Dropping the shoulders. And one more time. Okay. So then we're going to take a breath this time, take a breath in through the nose. You're going to expand your rib cage and your belly, and then we're going to make the sound. Okay. And I want you just to go, keep going until your belly flattens out. All right. Okay. And expand. <laughs> we're gonna do that again okay yeah. ready inhale this kind of reminds me of going to the dentist oh right <laughs> Yes, it does, it doesn't like. it? I know. <clears throat> and you can make other sounds, you know, with that another, another one for breathing I love is the humming. So yeah. mm, like that, you know, and you can, um, there's a couple of techniques that I've learned for, from voice work and stuff for, for uh, expanding. So if you feel the things to really notice about these things are, um, okay, does my diaphragm move? You know, is it moving at all? Right. And um, can I expand that area or is it really hard to feel all this tension in my shoulders? You know, so those are things to think about because um, we should be able to really easily fill up the belly and expand that rib cage both out and down in the back. So uh, because that's a natural way that the, that the diaphragm pumps. Um, and if that's not happening, that's something to to move towards and through mobilization, through massage, those kinds of things. Um, yeah. And uh, I would say just start there. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you. That was You're fun. welcome. Yeah. <laughs> As I was listening to us, I'm thinking this sounds like a flat tire. It, no. And it does like, <laughs> it does. Please try the exercise with us. It's really, it's very soothing. I love the vo voice and the tone that comes with breath. I think. Um, I resonate with that so much. I often use it at the end of my classes or at the beginning of my classes when I'm teaching yoga and it's so powerful. It's such, it's such a good uh, technique to soothe the nervous system and tap the vagus. Absolutely. Vagus nerve. So thank you for guiding us through that. You're welcome. I would like to know, um, you know, how can people, so I think a lot of my listeners, I, 
I know that a lot of my listeners are in the Pacific Northwest with us. So you're somebody that people could actually like go to and work with. Absolutely. Are you doing things face-to-face? Yeah, I am doing some um, over at Portland Pace. I'm seeing some people one-on-one there. And then I have a studio at my house too. I I see people here as well in person. I also see people online. So I'm kind of all over the place with that, you know, as Mm -hmm. well as, as far as coaching goes. But um, yeah, feel free. If you're interested in working with me, you can definitely set up a, a free initial consult uh, on my website, pureenergypdx.com. And we can, we can talk about that. Great. And you also yeah. have a podcast too. I have a podcast you? called Integrate Yourself. And uh, yeah, we talk about all aspects of health in the spiritual, spiritual realm, metaphysical realm, uh, you know, practical fitness and nutrition uh, strategies and all kinds of stuff in between. So it's a really great, very fun show. Um, and of course my book finally thriving is out. Please pick up a copy on Amazon. And if you feel inspired, you can leave me a review. I've been getting some great feedback about the book. It's made me so happy to see all of that. And I just, my, my goal is to inspire as many people as I possibly can to, to finally thrive because we are, we are due, we are due to thrive right now. You know, it is the time. It It is is the time. time. I'll (laughs) also add on my, uh, finally thriving book.com website. We have a vocal, a free vocal toning, a session that they can they can access as well on the video resources tab. So if you want to do more of that vocal work, you can head over there too. Yeah. Cool. Oh, I want to do that. I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Allison. I You're really so appreciate your time. It was a blast talking to you. It was my pleasure, Tessa. It was wonderful to meet you. Thank you so much for having me on. Includes another amazing episode of Outside the Studio. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you learned something new, maybe remembered something old, maybe felt inspired to apply something to your life. My, <laughs> you can hear my dog in the background. She's doing a little happy dance. Um, so Daisy enjoyed it. Anyhow, I wanted to just pop in here to wrap us up to say a couple of things. Number one, I have such an amazing team that helps me put these podcasts together. Without them, I wouldn't you know, be able to bring these amazing conversations to you. So thank you to my producer, my director of creative services, my sound editor, my um, engineer, Consistency Media don't know what I would do without you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And the amazing creation and artistic musical genius, Drew Lovern. Thank you so much for putting together this music for specifically for outside the studio. So unique to the show. Only place you're ever going to hear it is right here. Thanks, you guys. You make my world go round. Stay well, everyone. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Share on the socials, especially if it's a show that you think, hey, this could help somebody else. That's what this is all about, right? We're sharing information so that we're better, um, so that we're inspired, so that we're lifting each other up and we're learning how to be in this world 
living on this planet to the best of our ability, sharing information and inspiring one another. And that's my hope. That's my hope for the show. Take care.